What a blessing. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 to start off this evening. 1 Corinthians 16. And I just want to kind of continue in the missions theme, even though the month of missions month is over. It's only over by a couple of days. So we're going to kind of look at just kind of some... um, just a biblical kind of explanation of why we do missions the way we do missions. And, uh, you know, churches support missions and missionaries in a variety of ways. Uh, Our church, for instance, this church, uh, when I became pastor here, was not an independent Baptist church, and the missions money that we gave, part of it went to independent missionaries. We supported independent missionaries when we were in a convention. But other part of it was through a cooperating, cooperative program that distributes out to missionaries. Uh, some churches support missions by giving uh, a percentage of what comes in in their regular offerings to go to missions. They, there was a time in our church's history when we did that as a part of our missions giving. The, we gave a, a, a percentage, whatever came in on Sunday, part of that went to missions. So churches support missions in different ways, but I think it's good to understand why we choose the way that we choose, and I want to, and I want to look at that in the scripture today because I think it's really, really important. And, you know, there's really, by the way, I'm thankful, Paul was grateful when the gospel was preached, right, in Philippians chapter 1. Uh, rejoice, even though those people were criticizing him, he was rejoicing that they were preaching the gospel. And so if people are preaching the gospel, we thank the Lord for that. But um, I look at it like, you know, if we're going to do God's work, we want to do it as close to the Bible way as we can. And really, there's only one authorized operating manual for God's work, and this is it. And so... um, I'm sure everybody thinks they're doing it the right way, and I'm not, it's not our job to decide what's right for everybody else, but what is our job is to say, this is why we do what we do. Um, and, and, you know, the, the scripture, um, you know, Paul said, writing to Timothy, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, that's not like sinlessly perfect, but complete and whole. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That means the Bible itself can furnish us, thoroughly furnish us, for what we need to know. And so we ought to base what we believe on the Bible. And that's about in the family, that's in the church, that's whatever the case might be. And so we're going to look at two principles here tonight, and we'll take some time to do that. But we're going to begin by reading in 1 Corinthians 16. And if you're able to stand, please stand with us for the reading of the Word of God. And beginning in verse 1, 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 1. Now, concerning the collection for the saints... Now, this was a collection that was being received for uh, saints that were in a bad way. There was, a, there was a, a great need, humanitarian need. They're going to help them with that need. 
And what we're going to see is this, is a, this was a system that, did, that wasn't just true for the Corinthian church, but it was true for many churches. And I think that's very important to recognize. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Now he's writing the church at Corinth. And Corinth was in the region of Achaia, south of Macedonia. And he's, Galatia was like in Asia. So he, these churches are getting the same information. It's not just, it's not an isolated need here. This, this need has been broadcast to the churches. And here's the order. He said, I've given order to the churches. Verse 2, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So they were going to collect these offerings, and he says, he's admonishing them every, t- every week when you come together, lay aside this special offering for this special need. Verse 3, and when I come, whomsoever you shall approve by your letters, Then will I send to bring your liberality, your generous gift, unto Jerusalem. So that's where the money's going to go. Verse 4, And if it be meet that I go also, if I accompany them, that they shall go with me. So the two principles I'm going to look at in this passage are churches communicating and cooperating. Churches communicating and cooperating. And just, I'll just tell you this up front before I pray. We're going to, you know, I'm sure some of you will be taking notes, but at the end of the service, I'm going to give you the outline with all these verses on it. You say, why don't I give it to you now? Because you'd be too busy either playing tic-tac-toe or looking in other places and not paying attention, because I know you, right? So, but you'll get it afterwards for five bucks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's have prayer, all right? Father, we thank you for your word God, what a treasure that we have in your word. Thank you for giving us by inspiration the word of God and preserving it for us. And Father, we want to take your word seriously. So please help us as we go through the scriptures tonight to learn, to grow, just to have our faith reinforced, Lord, for maybe for some here who've never even heard uh, how these principles apply to the work of missions. Tonight would be a wonderful night just to see that this is why we do what we do. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So we see in verse 1, um, Paul says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I've, as I've given order to the churches. Notice that phrase, to the churches. Um, now that's just, an, that's just a phrase to the churches, but it's not incidental. It's not unimportant. And it's not, this is common New Testament doctrine. And I hope you'll, hope you'll think about this tonight, the, the relevance of the churches in the New Testament. And I, I don't say that because the Bible needs to be explained or reinforced. I say it because we live in a generation where churches are marginalized and minimized and really... Um, People develop views about doctrinal issues from places other than the Bible. And, you know, I've I've mentioned this before. 
not recently, but I, I was, had an opportunity many years ago to preach in a church in a missions conference that was unique in this sense. Because there were lots of missionaries there, not just three or four or five like we might have customary, but these were, there were dozens, literally, of missionaries there. And they were from all different kinds of sending agencies and boards and all this kind of stuff. And some of them might be guys that we would support. Some of them were people that we couldn't support. And so to, to preach to that group, you know, what are you going to say to that group? And so uh, I'm not saying this to be cute. This is just what I did. I, 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 I told them that day, I, want to, I didn't tell them, I didn't give them all this view I had about all the different agencies who were there. I just left that alone. But I said this, I want to preach on this subject. What I would believe about missions if everything I believed came from the Bible. And so, that, and that shouldn't be controversial, right? So, so, let's think about this subject of the churches. As Paul is writing this epistle to Corinth, and he says, I gave order to the churches of Galatia also. And so let's just think about, just think with this, because it's important to understand what we want to kind of go over tonight. And that is, the role of local, autonomous, independent, organized, baptized groups of believers. This is, this is who this communication was about. Because some people say, well, it doesn't really matter. You know, we're not for organized religion. You know, if you get two or three of us get together in a house, that's, those aren't churches. It's churches when they're organized and they're They've been established, and they have, uh, they're scriptural, have scriptural ordinances. And so, let's just look at a few verses to kind of go over this. Go, first of all, go to Romans chapter 16. I just want to reference the importance of Paul's relationship to churches. In Romans chapter 16, for instance... Um, in verse 3, he says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. Romans 16, 4, Who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not I only, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Notice that reference to the churches. Verse 5, Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. There was actually a church assembly that they, Priscilla and Aquila at their home, greet the church that's in their house, salute my well-beloved, it goes on. But, but we see this reference in the book of Romans to churches. You, you see this in 1 Corinthians. He's, he, look at, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And of course, this, these two epistles, 1 and 2 Corinthians, are written to churches. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 16 Paul writes to the church at Corinth, But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. And so this is a, this is a common reference. The, he, he speaks to churches. He deals with churches. Now, that doesn't mean God can't deal with a person individually, but it's not just a coincidence that near, so much of what God had to say to us, he, he said it to churches. You know, the church at Corinth, he referenced here in 1 Corinthians 16, the churches of Galatia, the letter we have, the book of Galatians, was communication to churches. The book of Ephesians 
was a communication to a church, the letter to the Philippian church, the book of Philippians. That was a letter to churches, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. These are all letters to churches. And if you look in 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus, these were, you know, Paul wrote to the church, wrote to Timothy, and he says, if, I hope to come to you shortly, but in case I don't come, I write these things that you know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God. These are, these are guidelines for church work. Now, we, we, don't, we hear this a lot, and so this is not like it's uncommon, but all this has a, a special relevance to this matter of missions that we'll come to in a moment. Think about the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2 and 3 that has great insight for us as a church and individuals. But what, were, what was it that was being communicated? It was Jesus himself communicating to seven literal churches. The church at Laodicea, the church at Sardis, the church at Thyatira, the church at Ephesus, the church at Philadelphia. These were churches that existed. Now, is this just, is this just a coincidence that so much of the Bible, all these epistles... Revelation 2 and 3, that all this came to churches and to messengers of churches. And the answer to that is no, it's not just a coincidence. It's God's plan. No matter how many people you hear on the radio or television or podcasts that act like churches aren't important, this, the Bible is the, the guide for us, right? And all this communication, and here even to an established church, He's saying, here's, the, here's how I want you to do this. And he said, I'm, I'm not just telling you this. I'm also told the churches of Galatia, this is what I want them to do. And if, and if we could go to Romans, where he, told, he says in the book of Romans, this is what I've been doing among these other churches. Go with me, if you would, uh, to the book of Acts. Just highlight a few verses here, and then we're really going to get into these principles. But, but again, we're just kind of laying a foundation Tonight, Acts chapter 9, um, we have just these just a few mentions of what's going on in churches. Acts chapter 9, verse 31, for instance. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. So he didn't just say there's a lot of people being saved. He said there are churches that are being established. Churches are being formed in Acts chapter 11. In verse 22, people are being saved in a place called Antioch. And in verse 22 it says, Then tidings of these things, the things he's talking about in verse 21, where a great number believed, they turned to the Lord, people are being saved. Tidings in verse 22 of these things came into the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. So the, mess, the news finally got down to Jerusalem and they sent forth, the church at Jerusalem sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. He was authorized, commissioned to go as far as Antioch. And who, who acknowledged that? The church acknowledged that. The church is the one that acknowledged that and the church is now being established in Antioch. In verse 13, or chapter 13, let's look there briefly. Uh, we read these verses uh, a couple of times during the missions conference, Acts 13, verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, and he lists them, two of those, of course, Barnabas and Saul. 
And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work wherein I have called them. They prayed, sent them away, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. And then if you look another page or two to the right, Acts chapter 14, they, these, this missionary group went out in Acts 14 and verse 26. They came back. It says in verse 26, they came back to Antioch and thence sailed to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they had fulfilled. And when they were come and gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he'd opened the door of the Gentiles. So, so again, what, what do we see here? We see that the churches are central to the New Testament plan of evangelism and discipleship. You can't, you can't overestimate, you can't exaggerate that. I, I don't think I'm exaggerating that. Sometimes, and you say, well, why even take the time to talk about this? Because there's a lot of people who never really connect the dots on that. To them, it's not that important. Even after hearing it and hearing it, it's still not that important. But it was important in the New Testament. Again, this is the only instruction manual that we have. And, and so back to 1 Corinthians 16, he, Paul writes them, he's communicating with the churches, and he's writing them about financial support. Uh, there are several things about this financial support he's asking about. Number one, it's for needs outside the regular church needs. It's for, they're going to send it. It's not even in that region. It's not even in that. It's over. It's not in Syria where Antioch was. It's in Jerusalem. And second of all, look at what it says in verse 2. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store. It was individual participation. Let every one of you. He didn't just say, would the church pass the plate? He said, every one of you need to pray about what your role is going to be. Is that right or wrong? Now, that's what, that's what we do is for our, our, that's what we do when we're, we're getting, getting our minds and hearts together for missions. We ask every one of you, pray about what you're going to do. And so he, said, he asked them, so it's individuals, it's for a special need outside of the regular ministry. It's, it's when the church meets on the first day of the week. And aren't you glad we're doing things the Bible way? Amen. When the church meets on the first day of the week and giving was a part of their worship. You know, giving, you know, I didn't, I didn't understand this when I was a kid. would go to church and mom would give me a quarter and the offering plate would come by and I'd put it in there. But you know what she was teaching me? That, that giving is a part of worship. Yeah. And, and people, people don't get that. They, to them, coming to church... And I'm not against having your needs met and being blessed. I like coming to church, being blessed. But we don't come to church just to be blessed. We come to worship God. Right, and a part of our worship is giving. Yep. And if we're not practicing that, we're missing out on what God has for us. It's from the Bible, folks. It's what God wants us to do. And so, notice in verse 3 again. And he said, Paul says, When I come, whomsoever you shall approve by your letters... Then will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. What he's saying is, when I come and we collect this money, he's counting on the church, really. The church is the one that should approve who would accompany the offering. Right? That's what verse 3 is saying. Whom you will approve. This is the, so all of this is about the way the church should function, about the way the church should work. And he uses an interesting phrase 
uh, that makes, would make some people nervous, really, in verse 1, where he says, as I've given order. Now, that's an interesting word, isn't it? Order. And, and it means he's, I'm giving this as a command. It's a, it's a special offering, special offering given once a week, collecting it till I come. Individuals are participating in it. It's not their tithe. It's something above their tithe. And so, so this is laying out for us a great plan. It's not a plan we came up with. I believe it's a plan that God came up with. Amen. Now, I, I'm going to make a couple of observations. And don't, don't you, uh, stumble over this, but just think with me based on what we've said th- thus far. If a, person, if a person says they're saved, and yet they're not interested in connecting to a scriptural church, they're, they're missing out on a big part of what God says Christian life should be about. You know, people say, oh, you, I, I've heard this so many times, you've heard it. You know, you can be saved and not go to church. I understand that. But you can't be an obedient Christian, obedient to the Word of God, without being connected to a church. And so, so and by the way, if we're not giving, if we're not giving as a part of our worship through our church, then we're missing out on God's plan. Is that right or wrong? And it's not, that, it's not that way because I said it so. It's that way because we read it in the Bible. This is basic New Testament Bible doctrine. But I'm telling you, I would venture to say many people in this room who have Christian friends and talk about Christianity and faith and churches around the, you know, the break room or whatever, a lot of people would say, you know, there are a lot of people who say they're saved that don't, they don't practice what we're talking about tonight. Right? Right? But it's still Bible. It's in the Word of God. And I, I had something interesting happen to me, and I'm going to just share this as kind of an illustration about the importance of what we're talking about. I was, I was visiting a church once. It was a missions conference. And there were a number of missionaries there, that, and some of them, not a lot of them, but several, and a couple of them I didn't know. And one was there from a, a Middle Eastern country that I did not know and he spoke one time and something didn't set well with me right about that you know it did, I didn't seem right didn't feel right or I'm not talking about feeling but just something I was a little bit concerned about it and I was suspicious and I talked to the pastor about it and I said um, I said I'm not I don't like being suspicious but I said I'm not sure about this and and I'm nobody I'm just a guest right um, and so I went to the guy, I went to the person, the missionary. He was a national from another country. And I said, would you happen to have one of your cards with you, like missionary cards, all missionaries have a card? He didn't have a card. He said, I left him in my room. And I said, well, we'll be, you come back tonight, yeah, we'll, would you bring the card? Yeah. I just wanted to see what church he's out of, for one thing, what he, who he is, right? And um, so he came back, and he didn't, ha- he didn't have the card, <laughs> And so then I said, well, tell me what church you're from. And he told me, but I couldn't understand because he was speaking English, but it wasn't the English I know. <laughs> so I couldn't understand him. So I said to this pastor, I said, you know, I would urge you to contact. I have a friend in that country that's, you know, might, maybe he's know this person, right? And so sure enough, he got on his WhatsApp or text or whatever, and he, and he wrote this missionary and said, the missionary that's in that foreign field, and said... Um, do you know this person? And he gave a really brief reply. He said, yes. 
He's a fraud. <laughs> now, that's not the first time that's happened to me. Now, and I say this because people say, well, it sounds, like, sounds good, looks legitimate, those people need a people, we, why don't we support them? And you know what, the, you know what the, the main filter for all these things are? Their church. What church are they out of? What, you know, it's not, and so, so this is just an example, and again, that's not, I'm not saying it happens all the time, but it's happened to me more than once. So there's communication with the churches, and, and you all know this, um, but we have relationship with a lot of the churches who we support their missionaries, etc. So not only in this text do we see the communication with churches, but second of all, we see, and I'm going to speed this up a little bit, we see the cooperation with churches. And it's, it's built into this formula here in 1 Corinthians 16. There are churches, he says, I want you to do this. The churches of Galatia are doing this. And if you look in Romans, Romans 15, I'm not going to turn to it. You'll have it in your notes. In Romans 15, it says the churches of Macedonia are also participating in this offering. So there's cooperation among churches. Now, now just think with me for a moment. Like I said, we came from a place where there was like an organized mission board, a big convention, whatever. But there's no mention here about any, any of that. There's no mention about an organization or any of that kind of stuff. It, no mission board, no convention, no parachurch ministries. Parachurch means mission ministries that are dis, dis, uh, not associated with the church. It's not there. This is all, all this work, all New Testament, all New Testament mission work was with sound, scriptural, independent churches uh, voluntarily cooperating together to support God's work. Does that make sense? That's what it is. Um, and if you were to look, and I'm not going to turn to it, it's in your notes. In Philippians chapter 1, there's two words in Philippians 1 that are very revealing about this subject. One is that Paul said, when he said to the church at Philippi, I thank you for your fellowship in the gospel. The word fellowship, koinonia, fellowship. I know what we think fellowship is. It's brownies and ice cream and coffee after church, right? That's a different kind of fellowship. This, this fellowship means sharing in common, to be partners together. Paul is writing to the Philippian church, thanking them for their fellowship in the gospel. By the way, they prayed for him, Philippians chapter 1. They supported him financially, Philippians chapter 4. This is fellowship in the gospel. They're, they're, they're not only uh, co uh, communicating, they're cooperating. And then, in that same uh, ver uh, chapter, Philippians chapter 1, is the word, not just fellowship, but partake partakers. Now, if you're a partaker in something, that means you're participating in it, right? If you're a partaker. And that's the word he used to describe their relationship. And so, there's cooperation among these churches, they're, they're working together, and it's, and it's critical. You know, um, I thought about preaching on this subject during our conference, but I uh, decided not to. But, you know, what? when we think about mission work, we, our mind goes to missionaries, and we think about some outstanding missionaries that we support, and we know men and families of great faith. But you know, the strength of mission work is not just missionaries. It's churches. That's right. 
That whole missionary movement that we call Paul's first missionary journey, second missionary journey, it started in a church, right? The church at Antioch. So, so our, the church is critical to the work of missions, and these churches are cooperating together. And um, so this, the subject, the subject of faith promise, we, we talk, it says right there, my faith promise commitment. The words faith promise are not in the Bible. You may have noticed that, I'm not sure, but they're not in the Bible. It's not a term that's found in the Bible. But everything about it is based on the, the doctrine, the teaching that we've been talking about tonight. Every, it's just, some people call it a grace giving, 2 Corinthians 8. He says that if you've abound in all these other things, abound in this grace also. And it's talking about giving. And so, what, what was it in 1 Corinthians 16? It was an offering over and above your tithe on the first day of the week, done by individuals, lay, lay, in, lay in by in stores, it says, giving to cooperate with other churches for God's work in another place. That's exactly what we do. And every church has to decide for itself. The church has the authority. Every, so, every individual congregation has the authority to make decisions about how they're going to do missions according to God's Word. We want to do it according to God's Word. And I'm just thankful that as our church, I'm th I say this as a church member, as well as a pastor, I'm, but I say this as a church member, I'm thankful that our church decided in 1992, this is how we're going to support missions. The first year, the first year that we, and we'd been giving, we'd been supporting some individual missionaries, and we'd been given a percentage of our offering to missions, but the first year, our faith prom, our, our missions giving my, our, took a great leap, great increase, because people prayed about it and gave according to how they felt like God was leading them. So I thank God for that. So, so you know, this, this may not, I, don't, I, I started to say this may not matter so much to you as it would to your pastor, Pastor Weiss, but it should matter to all of us. Amen. We want to do it the Bible way. Now, please hear me. This is not being a critical. I'm just trying to help people understand, and I'm going to wrap this up. What should we consider when we pledge support to a missionary? And, and well, we might think about, are they going to a needy field? Is this, is this really a legitimate need? Or we might think, you know, they really seem sincere. I mean, they really do seem sincere. That, that person I mentioned, he seemed very sincere. Unfortunately, he was sincerely wrong. Do they really need support? Those aren't the questions that we, we ask. The first question we ask, I'm not saying those things don't matter, but the first question we ask, doctrinally, are they and their church in line with, with the Word of God? That's the most important question to ask. And people give, and, I'm not, and I, I appreciate people that are generous and people are compassionate, but people often give based on their emotions, but not based on the biblical principles for how we should give. You know what I'm saying? And, and does, God lead, does God lead us in the matter of our faith and practice? Absolutely. God does lead us. 
But He does not lead us in ways that contradict His Word. He won't do it. He won't do it. You know, and so a person could hear what I said about this example earlier and say, well, you were just being critical and, and you shouldn't even, you shouldn't even, you know, stuck your nose in it. It's not your business. And I, I was a guest, but I was there by invitation. I was there to ask to preach and I was just giving an observation. But I'm telling you, they were glad. Wouldn't it be horrible to have, have a church supporting the work of missions and just thinking it's all going to the right place, it's going to the wrong place? And I, you know what? You can't fix that where it never happens. But I'll tell you, God has given us in His Word a good way to, as a good check, and that is we're not just dealing with a person, we're dealing with their church and with their doctrine, and with their practice. Now, there, I don't know that this would be true of anybody here, but in any congregation, there would probably be people sitting here and saying, you know, I give money regularly to somebody, and I think it's a worthy cause, but I don't really know where it's going. This is God's money. I think we ought to know where it's going, right? Yep. We should. Amen? You don't have to be a critical person to be a pastor, but it does help. <laughs> hey, we, we say this, and we, we say it because it comes from a good source. We say this. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. And we need to get in the book and know why we believe what we believe and why we practice what we practice. And I never get tired, tired of re refreshing our memory and emphasizing these important facts. Amen?